In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Well, welcome in to the Retirement Pathfinder. Glad to have you on this episode of the podcast. I'm Ben George, along with Phil Gusky and Barbara Lane. They are both retirement income planning specialists at Pathfinder Wealth Management there in Rockford. And we've got a good show for you today. We're going to do some really some retirement savings basics and kind of explain the purpose of a lot of the accounts that people traditionally use to help save for retirement and just kind of make sure you understand the pros and cons of each and, and why you might pick one over the other. Barbara and Phil, welcome in. How are you? We're doing We're good. We're doing, doing just great, Ben. Yep. It's going to be a warm day today. We're up to 47 degrees. Ooh. Yes. Sunshine today and uh, spring next Monday. So all this snow is supposed to be gone by the first day of spring. So Tremendous. I love to hear it. Um, (laughs) You know, the big the big news here recently. And, you know, I think if you had talked to us a week ago, we probably even had this on our radar, but uh, Mm. it happened fast. But the bank collapse, the Silicon Valley Bank and I guess Signature as well, uh, both big, big news across the financial world. So I I really wanted to kind of get your thoughts on, on what we're seeing so far. Yeah, Ben. In, in fact, really, we we do owe it to our listeners to to bring them up to speed as to what we know as as far as what's happened there. And you know, the big question that's weighing heavily on minds of many investors is what happened at uh, Silicon Valley Bank. We call it SVB, and also Signature Bank that will impact other banks, uh, the stock market, and potentially your savings. You know, the big question is, are we heading for another bank meltdown that caused the Great Recession uh, from 2007 to 2009? Ben, I don't think you were even around then. Were you Were you born in 2007? <laughs> yeah, I, I, am, oh. uh, I am 16 years old for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, barely riding a bicycle then. But uh, So we're drawing from information from several different sources. Uh, they're pretty credible. The Wall Street Journal, Barron's, uh, Brian Westbury at First Trust, and a fellow named Alex Yoakum who's an equity analyst at CFRA, which is an independent research firm. So here's what we know. On Friday, March 10th, last Friday, the FDIC stepped into the nation's 16th largest bank holding company. It had $212 billion in assets, shutting it down, shut down all their operations to include the stock trading on the floor. Then on Sunday, March 12th, the FDIC also entered Signature Bank, and that's a $110 billion bank. It did the same thing. So it seized all the assets of both companies in order to prevent further erosion and preserve its existing assets. Uh, Separate receivership companies were immediately established. And according to a report from Bloomberg, all the SVP depositors at this point will have access, now listen to this, to both insured and uninsured funds. Right. Uh, so according to this report, no losses will be borne by the taxpayer. So I guess they got a big bunny tree out in the backyard to pay for all these losses. I'm not sure. Right. But that does beg the old question, Ben, are these banks too big to fail? Right. And running down their assets, knowing that the Fed is going to step in to come to the rescue. So, well, aside from that particular uh, question, we do uh, realize that uh, there was a tremendous panic in the market in the financial sector on on Friday. So the second part of this is what what caused the SVP and Signature to fail? Well, SVB specialized in lending money to startup technology, healthcare research, and private equity firms 
and also venture capital firms. Now, uh, another term for venture venture capital is speculative, right? right. Speculative companies. So uh, signature banks deposits and connections were in large part uh, correlated and involved cryptocurrency. So those are two biggies that you have to be aware of that most banks don't participate in. So both banks had tremendous success over the years. SVP had deposits increasing from $27 billion in 2020. That's with a big B, $27 billion in 2020 to over $128 billion in 2021. Why did that occur? Well, that was during COVID time when technology was the big, big sure. important uh, commodity, right? Mm-hmm. So Signature was uh, a recent startup. They started up in 1999, but they attracted large depositors with funds in excess of the $250,000 FDIC limit, and those protection limits were exceeded. Um, those who were the digital asset-related clients, otherwise known as cryptocurrency they stood at $16 billion. They had $16 billion of cryptocurrency at their bank. Now, get this, Ben. Both banks had 90% of their depositors uninsured. 90% yeah. wow. of their depositors were uninsured. So with the downturn of both the technology sector post-COVID and the cryptocurrency depositors, uh, they, they began burning through their cash deposits uh, at each of these banks. They had to have money. They had to have cash flow. Uh, their particular uh, sales and their markets were dry, uh, drying up. And so they had to have this cash flow. And as a result, the banks were forced to sell their safe treasury securities. Now, normally securities, treasury securities, Barb, you you and I both know they're very safe. If you hold them to maturity, you know, you'll get your money back. Mm-hmm. Right. But what did the Fed do in the meantime? Sold them early. So they're going to yep. sell at a loss. Yeah. They raised interest rates. And when these banks went to sell their securities, they sold them at a huge discount. So by the end of 2020, over $17 billion in bond values at SVB disappeared, just evaporated, right? $17 billion, just like that. Signature Bank became insolvent, and when it couldn't keep up with its demands for cash, well, in stepped the regulators. Once word got out on the street that the banks were becoming inv- insolvent, there was a classic run on the bank. And... Uh, that was so that the remaining client base could uh, save what they had in the bank. Well, if you want to think about it, compare it to something that we probably are all familiar with. Think of the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Where sure, George gets up, right? And he's saying, hey, don't worry about Charlie. Your your money is in, you know, Joe's uh, feed store over here. And yeah. and Sarah, your money is in, in Sarah's house, uh, Joan's house over there. Don't worry about it, right? Well, that didn't that didn't stop the investors from going back to the bank. Well, what does this mean to other banks? Well, very few banks really catered to a single sector such as these two did, um, such as high net worth speculators, where depositors you know, would exceed the $250,000 FDIC limits. You know, It appears that both banks were highly concentrated in very high-risk sectors. The majority of other banks, especially those in the top tier, are very conservative and very well diversified. Uh, these two bank failures are not systematic. Okay, In other words, it doesn't really reflect what's going on with other banks. And uh, it's not very re- reflective of what happened in the Great Recession of 2007 to 2009. During those days, uh, banks were willing to participate in the great housing market boom that we were experiencing by offering what we call subprime mortgages that ultimately didn't perform. So the government is really in a terrible quandary at this point because, uh, you know, to fully cover all losses it sends a terrible message to the responsible side of the banking community out there. 
So the last item on the list is, you know, will these banking failures affect my deposits or investments? And so, you know, if you hold investments per the $250,000 FDIC limit or insurance protection limit, uh, these losses are, are going to be subject to recovery if the banks do fail. So I, I want to bring Barb in at this point who has more information on how the FDIC works and what it actually covers. Sure. Yeah, I decided to look that up. And you know, the one thing too I was noticing is that, uh, you know, they could have hedged interest rate risk because interest rates have been hiking for the last two years. Yes. So that was a mistake. Yeah, they should have hedged against it. They didn't do that. Yeah. So, well, what I wanted to just share with everyone is uh, what FDIC does cover. To begin with, I looked at bank failures by looking at the FDIC.gov website. I was just curious. So between 2001 and 2023, there have been 562 bank failures. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so what people need to know, though, is the FDIC, what it doesn't cover. So it doesn't cover products, even if you bought them at the bank. In other words, your stocks, bonds, your mutual funds, even safety deposit boxes, Phil, hmm. those are not covered at, uh, at the bank. So FDIC insured, they they uh, they cover checking and savings and money market accounts. So the way it works is each owner has FDIC coverage up to $250,000. Each co-owner of a joint account is insured up to $250,000. So a joint account would have $500,000 of FDIC coverage. Now, any person or entity can have FDIC coverage. A trust can have FDIC coverage also. A trust is rather unique, though, when it comes to uh, FDIC coverage. When a revocable trust owner names five or fewer beneficiaries, each of those beneficiaries is covered under FDIC. Therefore, a revocable trust with five unique beneficiaries is covered up to $1,250,000. Wow. I didn't realize that either. Yeah, and I'm not sure what the significance of the up to five beneficiaries means either. But uh, irrevocable trusts are a different animal. So since they contain conditions that affect the interests of the beneficiaries or they provide a trustee or a beneficiary with the authority to invade principal, insurance coverage for, the, for an irrevocable trust is usually limited to $250,000 of coverage because the grantors or the creators are not the trustees, I suppose. What I would say is check with your bank on your coverage and get it in writing what, what is actually covered. And uh, so what's the answer to all this, Phil? Well, it's just like real estate. You know, uh, what do you say the most important thing in real estate is location, location, location? Well, the most important thing in investing is diversify, 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 yeah. right? So if you have a diversified portfolio, uh, such as our, our clients at Pathfinder do have, where we have 20 different asset classes, 19,000 unique holdings in our 80 different uh, countries, you are well positioned to mitigate, mitigate the risk associated with failure in any one of these sectors. So this is a serious problem, but diversification is really the answer to and solution to these particular issues. And uh, I would say that probably these banks are kind of one-offs. Uh, they were very yeah. poorly managed, weren't diversified. Um, you know, maybe there was some greed going on there. What do you think? Maybe? Hmm. Oh, for sure. Always. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So there we have it. That's the report on what we know about the current bank failure and, uh, I don't think we have too much to worry about as far as it affecting uh, most of our listeners on on this call. Yep. Listeners can always give us a call too at 815-399-9806 if you have any other questions on that topic. Yeah, great information, great breakdown. I know a lot of people have been uh, paying attention to it and I'm sure many have been worried about what it could mean for them as well. So I'm glad we're able to talk through it. I just, I, I gotta be honest, I'm getting tired of these kind of one-off like, you know, 
everything worst case scenarios happening again. It just seems like we've been having going through a lot of these type of situations here where everything kind of plays into this uh, worst possible outcome, um, like we're seeing. So, yeah. yeah, well, that's exactly right, Ben. In fact, the, the question that does come up is, well, are banks going to be as diligent to be as diversified as they need to be, knowing that the FDIC right. will step in and come Take to the rescue it. using our dollars? I don't care what mm-hmm. they say. Yeah. When it doesn't cost people, uh, people the taxpayers' money, I really kind of shudder. To, it, the hair goes up in the back of my neck when I hear something like that. The money comes from somewhere, right? You <laughs> it bet. Does. Yep. Yeah. Is your financial plan ready for the tax changes that can come in retirement? Come join Pathfinder Wealth Management for their Taxes in Retirement class on March 27th and 29th, 2023 at the Woodward Technology Center at Rock Valley Community College in Rockford. Classes start at 11 a.m. on both days and last for just over an hour. In the classes, you'll learn about the newly passed tax laws that will affect your retirement plan, how to be as tax efficient as possible with your finances, and much more. Come to the Taxes in Retirement class, hosted by Pathfinder Wealth Management, March 27th and 29th at the Woodward Technology Center at Rock Valley Community College in Rockford. Well, let's uh, let's shift gears again. If you have questions for Barbara and Phil about uh, the SVB bank collapse signature and all, and, and kind of what it could mean for you, if you just want to kind of dive into it deeper with them, um, you can always reach out and, uh, and and schedule a time to call 815-399-9806 is the phone number, and you can schedule a meeting directly at Pathfinder Chat. Com. Today's episode is all about retirement savings basics, though. So we want to jump into this and talk a little bit more about retirement accounts because they're not all created equal, right? And right. it's very important that you understand the purpose and the advantages of each type of account so that you can make the best choice for your future. So we're going to dive into some different type of retirement accounts that you're familiar with, probably IRAs, Roths, some simple IRAs, 401ks, etc., just to make sure you know what they are, the purpose of these accounts, and some of the pros and cons as well. So, Barbara and Phil, let's start with the one that we're all kind of most familiar with, probably IRAs and Roths. Yeah, before we get into the importance of uh, saving in a tax-deferred uh, vehicle like an IRA, I want to just go over a little brief history on when and why it was mm-hmm. created. And so, um, you know, we turned back the the Wayback Machine. You know, we had a Wayback Machine when I was a kid. <laughs> And uh, that was, uh, who was it? Yeah, yeah, Sherman and Mr. Peabody. (laughs) And uh, so 1974, Congress passed the ERISA law, E-R-I-S-A. It stands for Employee Retirement Income Security Act. And the purpose of the act was really twofold. Um, First, to encourage workers without access to a 401k plan or a traditional pension plan with their employer to save for retirement. Second part of it was to allow workers with employer plans to roll those particular funds into an IRA, thereby retaining that tax deferral when they retire. Now, I'm going to add a third reason, which is, I think, really kind of the reason behind the reason. It's the real reason behind the act. And during those years, employers and companies that sponsored traditional pension plans, they were known uh, as defined benefit plans, discovered that those huge pension liabilities were really driving their companies under. The promises that they made to workers in most cases could not be sustained. And why was this, Barb? Oh, people living longer. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, people lived to age 65, retired, and died the next year. Well, people were not dying quite as quickly. And so the actuarial tables that they used were really out of date. And so those companies were on the hook for pension benefits going way out. And that was jeopardizing their very existence. So 
As the traditional pensions began to disappear, Congress created retirement savings alternatives such as 401ks and IRA plans, SEPs, SIMPLEs, 403Bs, and Roth IRAs. So these plans were primarily designed for the private sector or corporate sector. Why? Because public sector employees such as teachers, firemen, policemen, and other workers who work for the government retained their pensions. They didn't need these alternatives because their particular pensions were backed up by who? federal government. Right. Right. So they didn't need to have uh, the assistance of of ERISA come to their aid. Well, today you can contribute to an IRA, even if you have access to only a 401k. However, it's interesting to to note that out of the Fortune 500 companies out there, only 14% offer a defined benefit or the old traditional pension plan. That's according to Investopedia. So our advice is to encourage employees to contribute to their employer's Roth 401k or Roth IRA, regardless of having a pension plan in place. Mm-hmm. You need to put that money away for two reasons. One, one is that, well, you know, when you contribute to a Roth, you do so with after-tax funding, after-tax dollars. And that money accumulates tax-free in that Roth, that Roth 401k, and can be accessed later on tax-free when it comes time to retire. Uh, you know, our motto is that if you have a choice between taking retirement funds, either taxable or tax-free, Go with the tax-free. It's always better for you. The second reason for uh, saving in addition to your employer retirement plan is is that pension funds in the public sector are currently underfunded by $1.4 trillion. That's with a T, trillion dollars. So folks, you need to have a backup. And a lot of our uh, retirees that are coming in with traditional pension plans do have a 401k plan, do have an IRA or Roth IRA so remember that traditional 401ks and Roths, excuse me, uh, IRAs, 401ks and IRAs will eventually be taxed at some point. So that's why we recommend a Roth. Either during your lifetime, they'll be taxed, the IRAs will be taxed, but a Roth 401k and a Roth IRA, including Roth conversion accounts, uh, will not be taxed at a later time. Hey there, just a quick break from the podcast for a moment to tell you how Barb and Phil are assisting clients every day in the office with some effective tax savings opportunities under the latest Secure Act 2.0 legislation. If you want to find out how much you could save, give them a call before the April 15th deadline and schedule a free 15-minute initial consultation. Call 815-399-9806 or go to pathfinderchat.com and schedule your visit with just a few clicks. We'll also put the contact info in this episode's show notes. Now, back to the show. You know, with uh, regard to companies being insolvent, we've had, we have a, a, probably, I'd say a handful, Phil, of uh, clients that were the PBGC. Oh, yes. The Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporations had yep. to step in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unbeknownst to people, to uh, maybe, maybe many of our listeners, that is pennies on the dollar. So that is not a guarantee for what your pension should be. It is, it's pennies on the dollar. Correct. So let me address the qualified or what I should say is employer-sponsored plans. So I'll talk about 401ks, 403bs, 457 plans, and I'll touch a little bit on simple and SEP IRAs, talk about the advantages and disadvantages of each of those. So the basic idea behind all of these is to save for your own retirement. And you may not have a choice which plan type because your employer already decided when they installed the plan. The most popular of these is the 401k plan, and you can save pre-tax dollars to where you'll have a reduction in income for tax purposes and won't be taxed now on those dollars. The disadvantage is you have a tax time bomb when you retire. Yep. 
Now, many plans have added a 401k Roth to their plan. Uh, Roth 401ks began around the year 2006. How you save in these plans is merely a choice. If you believe taxes will increase in the future, you'll want to save at least some money in the Roth. Roth is after tax, so you won't receive a tax deduction for contributions, but now you'll have a tax-free account, like Phil said. You may even contribute some to some to both, pre-tax and after tax. But beware of employer contributions because some employers will only contribute to the pre-tax portion and not the Roth. And you don't you don't want to invest the same as someone else. These are all company-sponsored plans. So you don't want to invest the same as your neighbor or your coworker or relative. There should be at the very least a risk assessment to take so you know which category you're comfortable with. Some plans have target date funds where you can choose the year you retire and they reallocate investments each year. So the closer to retirement, your risk should lessen. Now, in early years, you can stand to be more aggressive because you have time on your side. Closer to retirement, you don't want the same risk. And you can withdraw on those funds at 59 and a half without a penalty. A 403B plan is similar in planning as a 401k. They're just typically associated with public education and certain tax-exempt organizations. 457B plan, that's offered through a state or local government, uh, sometimes tax-exempt organizations. And you can have tax-deferred and a Roth option. Uh, just be aware that not all do have the Roth option, although I think many are getting on board with that anymore these days. So the downside of all of these plans is they have limited investment selection. They can be difficult to access withdrawals. And you have restrictions on withdrawals. It may make sense to move the account out if you do leave your job. Now, in this year, in 2023, you can contribute 22500 plus an additional 7500 if you are over age 50. You want to contribute at the very least up to the company match. And then lastly and briefly, SEP and simple IRA plans are available to any size business, business with uh, restrictions on the number of employees, on your max contributions, on ages of employees. There are no catch-up contributions for over 50 with a SEP, whereas for a simple IRA, there are. The bottom line with all this is save and increase your contributions every year. Whether your employer contributes or not, this is your retirement. I once had someone tell me, I'm not putting anything in my 401k because my employer isn't. Mm. So you take control of your retirement. There are very few pensions, like Phil mentioned, anymore that do all the saving for you. Yeah, speaking of uh, taking control in your retirement, we are having a special taxes and retirement seminar coming up on uh, Monday, March 27th, 2023, or Wednesday, March 29th, 2023. It will be right here in Rockford at the Woodward Technology Center at Rock Valley College at 11 o'clock. So that's a.m. And so you can uh, give our office a call at 815-399-9806 and register that way or go to pathfinderchat.com to register. You m- won't want to miss this particular seminar, Taxes and Retirement. You'll know what you don't know. Right. It's going to be very informative. Outstanding. Some great retirement savings basics. If you have questions about any other types of accounts that maybe we didn't cover here and they're or a, a, a number of other accounts available to you. You can always reach out to Barbara and Phil to learn more about that. Again, pathfinderchat.com is the website to schedule a meeting directly, or you can call the office at 815-399-9806. Well, we'll keep an eye on over the coming weeks and months to see if there's any other fallout from the SVB and Signature Bank collapse. Mm-hmm. Hopefully there won't be, but I know that you both right. will keep us updated as we go. Sure. All right, well, appreciate you listening to this episode of the Retirement Pathfinder for Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. 
over at Pathfinder Wealth Management in Rockford. I am Ben George. Have a good week. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.